Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 28. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts Matt Nine and Sam Ehrman. Today, week three of the NFL season has passed. We are going to talk about the high-flying Rams offense, Stafford and McVay, a match made in heaven. Uh, We'll answer some questions around the Chiefs offense, what's going on with them. Are Ridley and Pitts in trouble? How about the Colts, Pittman and Taylor? What's going on with your Eagles, Matt? We'll get into all that stuff. But first, head on over to ffballallday.com. Check out our content there. Head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts and sign up to get all of our content, uh, the NFL dashboard. We've got daily content, daily pieces coming out. We've got uh, bits of information from the league, sources uh, giving us info, things of that nature. So you're going to want to head on over to our Patreon and get signed up. And then remember, download the Thrive app. We have partnered with them. So if you enter the promo code FFSCOUTS, they will match 100% of your deposit up to $100. Those of you who are off to a slow start in fantasy, uh, there's a way to, to keep battling week in and week out. Just head on over to Thrive and play with some player props over there. With that, let's get into the show. has passed heading into week four i'm going to reference sam saying that we all that we all like uh one's a dot two's a line three's a trend so we're through three weeks so uh, we have got a little... that backwards um it's one's a dot two's a trend three's a line but i appreciate the shout out to the love right there that doesn't make sense yeah it does uh one is a dot like okay you mark that piece of information no I, I get it is a trend yeah and then three is more a like line would, a, line a line is would... longer than a trend because it's infinitely ending. A, a trend. trend. Is... Matt, can you back me up on this? Yeah, I, I've been I've... using this saying for years. So if you change it, we're gonna have a problem. Because it's one's a dot, two's a trend, three's a line. Because that's how I created it. Sam, I think you're wrong. Because I googled I, I... because I googled it, and I think you're wrong. I also would like to say I've I'm thoroughly enjoying this the show starting out talking about geometry. Very okay, excited I noticed. About that. <laughs> Sam, I noticed that you said it wrong the first time, but I was a dot, two's a trend, three's a line, and I'll say that for years and until I die. So when Matt referenced it on the next show, he said it correctly, and I was at peace it's, with that. It's, so it's I was a, just gonna it's a line and it. then a trend because gonna, because because think of it like on a chart, right? You got a dot, something happened. Then what what happens next? You got a line, something else happened. And then it's a trend that it continues to move in that direction. So you have to connect dot one to dot two, and then you see a progression of some sort. It's not it's not one trends. dot a progression and then a line somewhere. Trends are what we're looking for here, yeah. right? The That's ultimately. Is, you know what? That's Sam. Sam lives it. in step two. Oh. We just want to get to step two. Just regardless, the point, though. The point is, I think what Chad's trying to say is, we have a bunch of information now that we kind of understand who's good and who's not. Yes. Thank yes. you, Sam. I can agree <laughs> with that. I can agree with that. So we are trying to uh, starting to piece some things together. For example, Matthew Stafford, good. Sean McVay, good. Rams, very good. Uh, 
Sam, I know you talked a lot about Matt Stafford, uh, at least in our group chat leading up to the season. You were very excited. I think we talked about him on the podcast a little bit, but why don't you lead us off with Stafford and the Rams offense? What, uh, what, are you, what are you seeing from them? Yeah, um, I mean, Matt Stafford is, I mean, like you guys, if you really listen to the pod, you understand like how good I understand Matt Stafford is. And these first three weeks have done nothing but back that up. Um, they don't rely on the run anymore. Like with Matt Stafford, you don't need the play action to sit back and pass. They don't even need to run with Matt Stafford. They can literally just drop back and pass. And that's what they did on Sunday. Um, he's currently the QB four um, through three weeks. He's had 30, 21 and 37 in six point passing touchdowns. Um, I said, he's got top five upside. And so far he's pretty, um, I mean, he's get, he gets Arizona, Seattle and the giants and his next three weeks. And, I mean, to be honest with you, those are favorable matchups. Arizona's going to score, oh, maybe. I mean, like that Rams defense is pretty good, but you get my point. Um, you have to be ecstatic about what you're seeing from Matt Stafford in that passing game. Uh, he could easily blow past 5,040 this year, and I've been saying it since April or whenever they made the trade. Um, and I'm, I could, I as a Rams fan, I couldn't be more over the moon than what I'm seeing right now. And um, I mean. He's checking every box. Um, I know Matt had his doubts heading in the year because, um, I mean, we had all those arguments about tractors and trailers. So I'm kind of curious to see three weeks, Matt, where are you at with my boy? Well, I've always thought Matt Stafford was a good quarterback, but I just wasn't on board with how great you were saying he could be. I mean, I don't I, I don't think anybody that's blind or that's oblivious to football would have thought he would have been the same Matt Stafford that he was in, in Detroit uh, I think everybody assumed and projected some sort of growth, but the growth that he's had has been something, something else. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right here. He's basically through the first three weeks, he's averaging like 311 ish yards a game and three touchdowns with one pick. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty fantastic. And, and the crazy thing is I'm looking at his passing chart here. He's throwing everything over the middle. There's like a handful of stuff that goes deep and outside, but like everything is coming in between the numbers. And he doesn't even have a run game to back him up. Like mm-hmm. not yet, at least Darrell. Well, see the thing is, is Darrell Henderson, like was hurt. And I think like you kind of understood that he was never going to be healthy for all 17 games. Sony Michelle this past weekend, like, Week week two with the offense, you know, um, you know, being active and stuff like that. he's getting there. Um, I liked what I saw and I tweeted this out before he got traded and when he was still playing for the Patriots because I went back and watched some of his tape. Sony Michelle is not as bad as what fantasy Twitter wants you to believe. Like the kid, the dude can run the rock. He's he he can't really do much else. But I mean, he's he did get a really cool like. Uh, Pass block. I don't know if you guys saw that tweet I put out. I mean, he lit the running back up late. Um, but if you need somebody to run the rock, I mean, Sony Michelle looks like he's going to be doing that pretty effectively for the Rams. It's just when Darrell Henderson comes back, does he get his job back? Or is it just going to be kind of like that annoying committee like it was going to be with, you know, before? I definitely think it's going to be a committee. And I, I will say the one – I guess reservation I still have about this Rams team is when you go through and you look at the depth chart, and this is the same concern that I had in the off season, pick out one person of their starting 22. And if they get hurt and they're lost for the season, it could be a big deal. Like if you lose your left tackle, obviously if you lose Stafford, that goes for any team. So I'm not counting. Yeah. Well, like if you lose cup, 
I think that's a really big deal with the way that this offense is going. I understand Woods is good and he's the next guy up. Van Jefferson, I don't know. Deshaun Jackson he's looked good. Right, I know. Van but- Jefferson is developed and I, I love Mike Lou and I know Mike hates Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson can play. But and, you lose a player like Jalen yeah, in the I secondary. Mean, like Donald. Like, yeah. like this team is good, and this team is good for fantasy purposes. But as far as real life football goes and making a legitimate Super Bowl run, if they lose one or two of these key guys on either side of the ball, that could be the end of the season. That's how they, I, I can make that argument about every single team. There's just no. Like, there's no depth for the Rams, though, is what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's, I would argue they have decent depth. I mean, they have one of the, I mean, they have, I mean, obviously the mm. best receiving core, well, arguably, or, you know, they're loaded at receiver, you know, they're loaded at tight end. The line is thin. Everybody's line is thin because, you know, you burn through so many offensive linemen that you can't keep them. What so, happens I mean, when we get into colder months and you're going to have to start running the football because that's as, as we get closer to the playoffs and, and the weather gets colder. I mean, I understand again for fantasy purposes is kind of why we're talking about this. The offense is fine, but the longevity of this offense, do we really think Henderson and Michelle can carry a load deep into the playoffs? I don't, at least I have, I don't know yet. I think if I don't know, I think if those two are healthy, yes, but I just don't know if you can rely on either of them to be healthy for 17 weeks because neither of them have been a pillar of health. They both can play. It's just, are they going to be on the field? And right. you just mentioned like those colder weather games. I'm looking at the schedule right now. The only game that they'll have a weather issue is, is week 12 at Green Bay. Um, but other than that, I mean, like um, week nine, they're in Tennessee. Week 10, they're at San Francisco. Um, week 13, they're playing Jacksonville. Week 14, they're at Arizona. 15, they're at home against Seattle. 16, they're in a dome. 17, I mean, like maybe it's snowy in Baltimore in week 17, but I'm not really worried about the weather with these guys. Um, I mean, in the playoffs, yeah, you're going to go run the ball. But, I mean, that's a different ball game. We don't have to really worry about that too much. I think, you know, they'll get the run game going later in the year. Um, you know, Darrell being hurt and Sony learning the system, it takes time. So, you know, I'm not really worried about that. But, I, to be honest with you, if you're worried about anything for fantasy in the Rams, it's Robert Woods. Yeah, I so- that's I just want to interject because I, I was going to ask that question because looking at it here, Robert Woods has only run one more route than Van Jefferson. Um, and, you know, they they have basically the same snap share. Uh, Woods is a little bit higher, but and I know they run three wide receivers personnel most of the time. But is that concerning? Like if you're a Robert Woods owner, the production hasn't been there. He's been on the field. Um, he's been running routes, but Van Jefferson is right there in terms of routes. Woods has a little bit higher target share, but are you worried if you're a Robert Woods owner? You have to be. I mean, through three weeks, he's only outscored Van Jefferson by four points. And it's not that Robert Woods has lost a step. It's that Matt Stafford is A, keyed in on Cooper Cup, and B, he's going to spread the ball around. I mean, like, I joked about it. Um, and I put a tweet out like months ago. I was like, we are a, a year too early on Tyler Higby, but like, maybe not. Um, Cause if you look, he's sitting at 11, tar- t- or 11 receptions through three games. That's more than Robert Woods. I mean, like, it just seems like Matt Stafford is like Matt mentioned feasting in the middle of the field and Cooper cup and Tyler Higby just happen to be those guys or he's dropping bombs deep. I mean, 
I just think Robert Woods has been a, I don't, I don't want to say a benefactor, but like the offense is going in different places than he's going. And he's, it's not like his fault. It's just, you know, Matt Stafford doesn't get stuck on reads. He, you know, he knows how to progress the field and find the open guy. So I don't, I mean, you have to be worried, but yeah, I, I agree. He's going to have big games. Like, I mean, like he's going to have games where he'll have, I mean, same thing with Van Jefferson and Cooper cup. Like I think he'll have some big games, but I just think him starting him every week and getting at least 12 points may be gone. Yeah. So, I, I was agree. just going to say, I'm looking at his numbers real quick. So he's third on the team in routes run. He's behind Cup and Higby. He is second on the team in targets at 18, um, which he's ahead of Van Jefferson and Higby, who each have 12. But I think here's the interesting part. He's the only wide receiver to record pass blocking or run blocking blocks. Like he's the only wide receiver on the field when they run that blocks. So you know, the other issue and I and I didn't mean to cut you off, but the other issue is Robert Woods used to be super safe because he was getting those a game and he had a rushing floor. That's not part of the Rams offense right now. Well, he's also... it is, it's Deshaun Jackson back there, Tutu Atwell. It's not Robert Woods. So, I mean, like, there's also, reason to be worried. When you look at this team's red zone targets, I mean, it's Cup at 11 and then everybody else way way below i mean woods three higby three van jefferson three henderson two it's really cup when it gets in that's where stafford's looking and then everybody else you know beyond that but it's it's really just cup finding the end zone and and that was always a concern with woods is you know maybe he didn't score a lot of touchdowns but he caught a lot of passes and still racked up the yards but if he's not doing that on as high of a level and he's not scoring touchdowns um i think it's a concern but you're right i mean he will have big weeks for sure because this offense is so good uh you're gonna see some spiked weeks for sure one last thing i want to say about this is for more dynasty purposes than as of right now at this moment uh we haven't seen any jacob harris yet which is a little disappointing but you know he kind of knew he was a project coming in you know the wide receiver converts tied in needs to put on a little weight needs to learn how to block a little bit better but a very natural pass catcher, big bodied guy, you know, crazy speed for someone his size, et cetera. But Tyler Higby is an every down player. Like he's never leaving the field. So once we get to the point where Jacob Harris is the guy and it's not Higby, that's he's going to be a phenomenal fantasy asset for someone of his talent that never comes off the field with Stafford. So if it's not someone you have stashed on your taxi right now, I would be looking to try and buy him because it could be a chance this next year. What do you think Jared Goff's thinking right now? Like, I mean, like, he knows football. He knows how much better this team is without him. Like, what do you think goes through his head when he sees the Rams lighting up the Bucks? Honestly, I he's probably bummed that he's not there, maybe. But you have to think about it this way from Jared Goff's perspective. He took him to the Super Bowl. He was there. So if Stafford doesn't win a Super Bowl with the Rams, Jared, we can't, we can't yeah. definitively say he was the better option. That's fair. That's fair. Plus, he's got a sh- – I mean, as much as, you know, of a downgrade it is, he's got a shot to earn it in Detroit and, and see that thing through. He hasn't looked progressed. bad. He I hasn't. Mean, and oh, the team, I think the Detroit the teams look yeah. better than I thought they would, Yeah, too. I mean, like, I, agree. I think the, the – I've watched the Lions, and I know we're getting off topic. We're going to get right back. But this is all I'm going to say to the Lions 
is they're a very well-coached team, but they don't have very much talent on that team. And I think that's what stands out is we all question the Campbell, Dan Campbell hiring, but they seem to like to play for that guy. And I love the way they're using Swift, but um, to the Chiefs now, who probably should have taken DeAndre Swift, but they took Clyde Edwards. Where we'd be now with that. And CEH has really struggled up until this point. Um, last week, he did have somewhat of a breakout game, 17 carries for 100 yards. He caught two passes for nine yards and a touchdown. Matt, you and I talked with Rich on the show last week a little bit about CEH and the fact that he wasn't getting involved in the passing game, wasn't getting like red zone opportunities. I guess in a sense, he got both of those this week, but still only two receptions on two targets, but he was much more efficient running the ball. So uh, Sam, I want to get your thoughts after Matt and I had talked about it a little bit last week. What do you make of CEH and really this offense kind of, I guess, struggling by their standards as a whole, but especially, you know, CEH. Um, I mean, like overall, I don't think I'm really that worried. Um, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and like, you have to figure out, you have to understand like they'll figure it out, but it depends on like how long it takes. Um, but the bigger thing is, is what they've been, what teams have been doing with Tyree kill is they've been just, um, doubling them, um, with kind of like a shadow coverage, um, over the top. And that's been kind of cutting off some of those deep shots to him. And that's kind of really kind of capped the offense. Um, I'm not really worried. I mean, I, I trust Andy Reid to figure it out. I trust Patrick Mahomes to figure it out. Um, I mean, I've always kind of thought maybe Patrick Mahomes was slightly overrated for fantasy purposes um, because you're going to have probably four or five quarterbacks throw for 5,000 yards this year. And so, I mean, th that is what it is, but I'm not worried. Um, I think the passing game will be just fine. And I can't believe it's 2021. And I have to mention Josh Gordon's name, but I do think Josh Gordon coming in, if he's in shape, could potentially be at least a viable option more so than Mecole Hardman has ever proved to be. Mecole Hardman, just because you're fast, doesn't mean you can play football. And we're at the point now where, I mean, he's been in the league long enough that he ain't in it. And I mean, maybe if Josh Gordon is the three, you know, is like a outside kind of guy, red zone weapon, maybe maybe that's some sort of intrigue to get the offense going um, in Kansas city. So that's what I was going to ask too. So I'll get your thoughts on this, Matt. Um, do you think part of the struggle there is because they, I mean, the offense so heavily runs through Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey, they don't have a viable number two wide receiver third target in the offense. And with, in regards to CEH, I mean, Mahomes doesn't check the ball down. He, wants to hit the big play every time and he doesn't give up on plays. So uh, do you think that's part of kind of the, the struggle that we've seen with them starting one and two? I mean, I think, I think so a little bit, cause I, I think let's go back to the off season and they, they tried to, what was it re-sign Sammy Watkins and he didn't want to be there. There was reports of them going after Juju and he didn't want to be there. Uh, there was rumors, whether they're true or not, of them possibly trading for DJ Shark. If, if players like Godwin and Robinson had been available, they would have uh, been in those sweepstakes as well. So I just wonder if the offense hasn't been able to function the way that they had planned. Maybe they've thrown in some new wrinkles and they just haven't been able to use them yet. So 
without being able to sign some of these free agent wide receivers, they just in their mind are like, well, let's go back. You know, it's worked for us. Let's, you know, see what, what we can do. So, you know, like Sam said, I wonder if Josh Gordon, whether he's fantasy relevant or not, just unlocks the offense in a general, in a general kind of way. Yeah. I mean, I think they need a guy like that. It's just kind of a question of if Josh Gordon can still do it and, and, if he's a viable option on, but I'm really kind of surprised that they've stuck with this group as long as they have, because there's receivers out there. Um, you know, there's a plethora of receivers in the league. I mean, leaning, leading up to this season, I feel like they could have potentially tried to, you know, make a move for somebody else. Or like Sam said, I mean, McCall Hardman, we've been wanting him to do it for long enough. Now he isn't it. Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson. I mean, they're all kind of just guys. Apparently Cornell Powell is just a guy too. True. I know he was a little bit of hype on him in the off season, but I, I wonder if in addition Wait, to that, he's on the practice squad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But in addition to just the lack of wide receivers outside of Kelsey and Hill, I mean, what is this? This is year three of Mahomes, right? And this Andy Reid offense, you know, post Alex Smith. I, you know, I wonder if there's, you know, we have over close to 30 games on tape now. I just wonder if the NFL is just simply figuring out what they've been running, figuring out how to stop them. I mean, it's very possible because everything in the NFL gets figured out eventually. Um, I mean, like every groundbreaking, unstoppable scheme gets stopped. I mean, like I remember when the Wildcat came out in like 2008 and it was breaking the NFL. And then now like, I mean, you'll never see it again. I mean, like you see it every now and then, but like, I don't know. I mean, like you, it's very possible. Um, it's just Patrick Mahomes has such an arm talent that I don't think you'll ever be able to figure him out because like, like the dude has one of the greatest arms we've ever seen. I mean, like he'll be able to make throws like that for 15 more years. And I think as long as you have that and um, Tra- or, um, Andy Reed, I think you'll be all right. But I do see a world in, three you know maybe maybe two or three years where they're not a very good team because i mean like travis kelsey's not going to be travis kelsey forever and i mean yeah you can draft noah gray and or um whoever that fortson kid was caught the touchdown last week you know i mean like and hopefully they learn but you're not replacing the best tight end to ever play the game um so at some point they're going to be losing him tyreek kills i mean like He's great, but, I mean, like, is he going to be that fast forever? Probably not. So, like, I wonder if in two or three years, like, if the Chiefs aren't just average because they're paying Patrick Mahomes so much and, you know, Travis Kelsey is done and gone. And, I mean, like, you know, Tyreek Hill is kind of washed at that point. I mean, like, these are possible scenarios um, along with being figured out. I mean, like, the, the great part about owning Patrick Mahomes in Dynasty is you can start him every week. And you could probably never pull him for the next 10 years unless, like, something happens. I mean, like, something drastic happened. Like, Coach Reed retiring, sort of, you know, drastic. And, like, then you'd probably have some worries. But, you know, I think long story short, what I'm trying to say is I guess I'm not really worried. But, I mean, you never know. So let's kind of reset the market on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So where do you guys have him just kind of generally rest of season, long-term in dynasty? How are you valuing CEH? I mean, I don't think anything changes after last week. You know, I want to see that, that consistency. So for me, he's still a back-end RB2. 
Oh, I don't say if I would say a backhand RB two, but I mean, like he's still an RB two, potentially RB one upside. I just, I don't know. I mean, like the kid can play. I just think he's got some confidence issues and consistency issues, and I don't know. I mean, like he put up eleven hundred yards last year, and he'll probably do something similar this year. It just will probably never be as sexy as what people wanted when they were drafting him with the one point oh one. Yeah, I agree with that. He's he's about a, a mid RB two for me, but um, I want to talk about everybody's favorite rookie, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley as well. Want to get your guys' thoughts on them and kind of the I guess overall lack of production. Are you at all worried about these guys? Kyle Pitts has um, pulling up their now. Kyle Pitts has 17 targets, 11 receptions, 139 yards. Calvin Ridley has just 20 receptions for 175 yards and a touchdown. I would say I'm from not, my perspective, I'm not worried about these players, but I'm a little worried about Matt Ryan. He has not looked good, and he is not really pushing the ball down the field. He's uh, 34th in air yards per attempt. Uh He's been, I had his PFF grades up here too. He's been pretty bad, especially when he's been under pressure this year. Um, so to me, I think that's kind of where my worry lies is more with Matt Ryan in the offense. His pass rating is 34.8 on deep balls of 20 plus yards. I know that those ratings go down the deeper, you know, the ball goes, but 34.8 is extremely low on deep passes. So that's kind of where my worries align, I guess, is just that this offense isn't really pushing the ball downfield that much. And that's where, and that's a big thing for Ridley and, you know, maybe less so for Pitts, but certainly for Ridley. Yeah. Um, I've watched a lot of the Falcons um, because I was curious. Like I really liked Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator. I was kind of curious, like what he's going to bring to, you know, like a head, like an organization as head coach. And I've not really liked what I've seen. Um, the offensive line is horrible. Um, I, I mean, like pretend to be shocked or whatever. Um, they're getting blown off the ball you know, every down. Uh, Matt Stat or Matt Ryan barely has any time to throw the ball. Um, I mean. I'm not worried about Calvin Ridley. I mean, like week one, it was 10.10, week two, 19.3, week three, 14.1. And you have to understand that week one, he went, went against Darius Slay. Week two, he went against uh, Carlton Davis. And week three, he went against James Bradbury. And he still put up those kind of numbers. Um, I'm not worried, you know, like I said at all, um, with Calvin Ridley. Um, he'll finish as a wide receiver one. I mean, he's had a tough start to the season. And he still produced. But can I just say, I, I mean, I get your point and I don't like, I agree with it, but I kind of had him in the conversation for wide receiver one this year. Oh, no, absolutely. I like yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, and I still think that's possible. I'm like, I'm looking at sure. what he did in the first three matchups. He went against three of arguably the best corners who were on him the entire game. And he still produced. I mean, like, yeah, like you mentioned through three games, he has, what is it? 20 receptions and almost 200 yards through three games against three of the best corners. Um, in a couple of weeks, he gets the Jets. Um, I mean, so I'm not too worried. I mean, honestly, um, but, but Kyle but Pitts. Does it oh, get man. any easier, though? 
because they got the Saints, who have one of the most efficient defenses. Apparently, the Carolina Carolina's defense is the best in DVOA efficiency right now, and then Tampa Bay's defense isn't bad either. So I mean, but they don't they don't really matchups. have they don't really have that lockdown number one corner though, like those other teams have, right? That but, are, but, Sean you, but you don't have to have a lock. You don't have to have a lockdown corner when you have an elite pass rush, which we already saw with Tampa Bay and Atlanta. If they can get to Matt Ryan, which I think is one of the biggest issues, that old line can't can't stop a water leak. Uh, and that's Matt, fair. I think I feel like every game we've seen one of those those pictures of Matt Ryan laying down on the ground on his back, like in like a, a snow angel kind of formation. Like he's just what what else do you want me to do? I'm getting hit within two seconds. That's fair. And apologies to Marshawn Lattimore, Sam. That I no well, no I would I wasn't gonna say Marshawn Lattimore deserves to be an elite corner conversation. He had that great rookie year and he's gotten worse every year since. He has. He's not. So been. I'm not worried about Marshawn Lattimore until Marshawn Lattimore gives me something to be worried about. But then, like I mentioned, you know, like he also faces um, like Dallas, which Dallas, like, I mean, um, Trayvon Diggs looks like he may have turned that corner to be an elite shutdown corner, especially what he did. Uh, well, Jalen Hurts last night. So Matt Ryan's a dot is also four point nine, lowest in the league right now. Of all is that lower than Mac Jones? Yes, all qualified oh, really? quarterbacks. Mac Jones, all I see on my timeline is how Mac Jones sucks. Mac Jones's a dot is eight point four. He's currently ranked at fourteenth lowest. Which Sam, I guess, I, is that seventeenth? Put it that way. Matt Ryan is thirty. I would kind of think if they have a bad offensive line, you know, you want to get the ball out quickly. That a dot, like, but even then, like, why isn't Kyle Pitts seeing a plethora of targets over the he's middle? He's still learning. I mean, like, that's the thing Fair. is, like, he's still learning and growing, and he's he's showing you flash. I think by the end of the year, he'll be a lot better what he is now. I mean, like. I think people in fantasy get this notion that Kyle Pitts, generational talent, is going to come in right away, week one, be a superstar. I mean, yeah, he's, he's starting to be pretty good already, but the problem is, like, these guys still got to learn and develop and learn the playbook and understand, like, there's so many different things to, like, an NFL game, like, just little things and the way things feel and how fast everything is and the communication and, like, you have the headsets and, like, there's no play call or cards and everything. You have to be listening. You can't, you don't have time to, you know, I mean, there is so much to grasp at an NFL game that, I mean, like these guys, these rookies are struggling. So I'm not worried. I mean, like, I'm not going to say like, go out to your waiver wire, pick up Jack Conklin and start him over Kyle Pitts. Like, I just, that, that's not going to be good advice. I just, am I worried about Kyle Pitts? No, but. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I I also think maybe this kind of shows how sad of a state this offense is in. Because really, after Ridley and Pitts, you don't have much. Cordero Patterson, sixteen targets on the year. That's just one less than Pitts, and he's been heavily involved. So you also kind of got to figure like he's been their best player, especially yards after catch by a long shot. So I imagine that they're targeting him on a lot of those short area targets too, which. You got to think if if Ridley and Pitts both get going and, uh, you know, the run game's going a little bit more, that things kind of start to shift more towards Pitts and their short targets. Somebody in Atlanta who's a bust. It was where people were drafting Mike Davis because <laughs> whatever, man. Like, I don't have any Mike Davis. I never invested in Mike Davis. You know, like, I never really defended Mike Davis. I thought he was an okay player, but, like, 
the dude's a backup to a wide receiver. To be fair, I think I think Davis is decent, and I think I, I think, think that things too, will but... get better. I mean, you talked about the defenses. Philly, really good defensive line. Tampa, really good defensive line. Granted, the Giants don't have one, but eh, the, the Giants was... have a decent defensive line. Yeah, literally, right. but I mean, not, Williams is an all-pro. Right, but top fifteen. So okay, so there you go. I mean. But yeah, I'm not, just, it's not like an elite offensive line is what no, I'm getting at. But get it together, Chad. But then you, know, you have Chad, Washington next next week, which fact. obviously has a good line. And then after that, I feel like things kind of open up. So I personally, I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't like ditch Davis if you already invested in him. I would try to stay patient with him. Of course, it hasn't hey, been. Not, I'm not talking about like, oh, he's not. No, I know, I know you're not. I'm, I'm just, like, I'm just he's saying. Not producing, he's not on the field, like. People were expecting him to be like an RB2, you know, he drafted in like the ninth round, you know, he's your flex, but really, I mean, like, and boy, oh boy, he is not going to be that. You don't think he's a flex? I no. think he'll be a flex, but I don't think he's, he'll, I think people thought he would end up as like an RB2 workhorse, like thousand yards, you know, like. Yeah, I mean. Oh, they gave him the bag, that. there's nobody else there. <laughs> they cut Javion Hawkins. It's like. Matt, you well, they shouldn't have cut Javion Hawkins, but Matt, you, you don't think he'll play. be a flex? I mean, Javion Hawkins is already out of the league because he can't play. So, what? He's Matt. not a. He hasn't been a flex yet. What changes? Cordell Patterson gets hurt, then maybe. Yeah, he had, he had no. thirteen points one week, so that's a flex, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess if that's your best flex option, that's my whole point. Is like, what a bust. Yeah. And that's through okay. We just mentioned how difficult these defenses is, but defenses have been. They haven't been in a good game script yet. You don't think when he starts facing the Jets, the Dolphins, uh, I, I don't. I don't think they involve Cordell Patterson because the matchups were tough. I think they always wanted him. They finally Arthur Smith has finally figured no, out but, how, to, how to use him correctly. So I think moving yeah, forward. I, if Patterson gets more involved, Patterson's a specialty player though. Mike Davis isn't fast. That offensive line. Okay. That's probably the, the issue here because the offensive line is so bad. You send Mike Davis through the teeth of, you know, the defensive line and he has nowhere to go. But with Patterson, you can make up for some of those offensive line deficiencies because you can get him around the edge. He's a lot quicker. So I think that's the way they're utilizing Patterson, especially so, in dump offs. So but. what? So what you just described to me is Mike Davis is sitting on the bench because Patterson's on the field because they can utilize better. him better. When they so when their weeks, offensive line is getting the shit knocked out of them, yes. But I'm saying when which you will face be every the Jets, week. The Dolphins. The Dolphins have a very good defense. Okay, but Mike don't Davis think has 14 receptions on the year, but he's only played 59. Point six percent of snaps. I'm gonna. So I'm, I just. I'm that is, I need to know. I'm pulling this up. I just pulled up on player profiler his work and stuff. And like, I just that's not a guy like. I feel comfortable starting a guy. I'm not saying you should feel comfortable snaps starting to, him, but to say but then he's why are not you a rostering option is insane. What? He's not a flex option. I'm not. Look, oh, do you own Mike Davis in any leagues? I own him in one league. Are you starting him this week? No. Okay. Thank you. 
You had to say yes, Chad. No, that's yeah. not at all what my argument is. If you if that's what you think, then you're completely missing the argument. I'm just dogging you because like I was expecting you to say, yeah, I'm starting no. him. I'm over here defending him. No, I'm not like, and I'm not I, trying to like defend him or that he's I, I think I think here's here's the issue is is what I'm seeing this just on the surface, right? Mike Davis is clearly getting he has two more targets than Patterson and he has 15 more carries than Patterson, right? So at least 17 more touches than Cordell Patterson. But Cordell Patterson has, I'm looking at this, let's see here, twice as many touchdowns and he's very close in yardage. So, I mean, Patterson's doing better on less. So unless Mike Davis all, all of a sudden becomes efficient, this is, this, is, I don't, this is not good volume. He's getting relatively okay volume behind a very bad offensive line on a very bad team so just touchdown dependent yeah exactly so i mean it's it's a flex play as a hail mary it's not really like you, you don't feel yeah. good slotting him into your flex every week but that's that's what i'm saying is like a month ago if you were drafting him you were starting him week one thinking shit i'm getting 20 carries on a bad team yeah that's and fair and Today, you were like, fuck, am I even going to get 10 carries on a bad team? I think maybe I misrepresented my position. Right. More maybe. of like a bi-week flex or like injury. Like, I'm not starting him week in and week out, obviously. Yeah, I, I think he's a point. fine player if you have to, but if you have another option, I would look there first. Sure. Yeah, like and if I, you're sitting there next week and you're looking at like Michael Carter or – no, you'd start Michael Carter. Never mind. Oh, that's a dumb one. Um, you know, I don't know, but you – get your point is like if you're looking at like Tyree B, Mike Davis or like okay I got one would you rather start LaVisca or Mike Davis this week I think I think I think the ceiling is the same I think they're both touchdown dependent but Visca gets the receptions at least he's in the offense he's playing more than 60% of the snaps so I mean you know like that is gross like wow I know it's like which one I would probably start Visca though yeah I would probably start Visca too and I would understand that he's probably the better player who's more likely to get potential volume who could break one. But I'm not like I'm watching that Jaguars game and just praying to God that anytime Trevor Lawrence drops back, it's to LaVisca. Yeah, he finally caught a target like 10 plus yards downfield last week. I think LaVisca will be fine. I think it may be one of those things where they'll work out the kinks in the offense. I don't know. Because I, I'm not, I have not been a successful NFL coach. I mean, like, I, <laughs> 0 16, you get fired. And I mean, granted, I probably didn't have much to do with that. But if I was designing an offense in the NFL, I wouldn't keep drawing up deep shots to DJ Chark. Matt, I know, you, I know you have something to say to that, Matt. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I, it's I'm not ne- working. Do something else. I'll never understand the DJ Chark hate. I don't hate DJ Tark. I'm just saying don't consistently keep launching deep balls to him. I, they're not. They, they're throwing a lot to Marvin Jones. That's because he can catch it. All right. Hold on. <laughs> what was it? I think what was it Dynasty uh, Rich pointed this out last week. DJ Shark, I think, is like seventh in air yards. So the first, it was two weeks at the time but probably in that still bar- ballpark. It's like seventh in air yards, but he also has had the most uncatchable passes thrown in his direction. 
You know that you know what that remind you know what that is? That is wishful thinking. I think air yards is like one of the dumbest stats because like okay, like I mean like I, I think it's great because you know what air yards tells you that's that you're on the field for starters and they're yeah, drawing and the ball thrown to you. Exactly. Just, but you're not doing anything with it. But but that's on the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence has been the worst quarterback in the league through the first three weeks. Like mm, have I, you watched Zach Wilson? Okay. <laughs> He's okay. We'll say bottom three, but I think the yeah, point, okay. I think the point is is you know what was it last week? I said like the Jags are second in pace of play and third in pass attempts like so far throughout the league. And I think Sam, you were saying it a minute ago. I think once the offense finally figures this out, there's going to be a lot of fantasy points to go around. So I think I'm holding I, those guys. You know, you're. I think everybody's going to be okay, but right now yeah, I it's, think it's rough. That people get so antsy, like. We, it was literally week one, and people were coming out. Oh, oh, Urban Meyer, USC. It's like, bro, you need to chill. Out. And and, like and it takes time to merge these offenses and learn these offenses and grow as players. Like, not everybody comes out week one and is a superstar. So, like, and last week they they discovered that they had James Robinson on the roster. So, yeah. 15, 15 carries, almost I think uh, fifteen carries, seven receptions, like one hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown. So. Hopefully he gets another heavy dose this Thursday. Well, I'm excited for this Thursday game because I have not watched very much of the Jaguars. I've only watched one of their games. So I don't really know. Like I haven't watched too much of them. So like, I'm kind of excited to see like what they look like in week four. I mean, like I watched their week two game and all 22 and lots of up and downs. And then I watched like their live broadcast on red zone, whenever it was there. So like not very much of them so far. And uh, there's not been a whole lot that I like. And I will be very curious to see what they look like Thursday. Yeah, I, th- I think my biggest issue is, is that what I'm so disappointed about is that this team is on paper, this offense has so much talent. And it's just, it's just not coming together. Like, I just, I don't understand. I don't know if it's coaching or, or effort or, I, I don't know. But the skill players have a lot of talent. Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. It's just, I, you know, we got to be patient. Like, yep. I think Twitter has taught people, you know, like, hey, if it's not week one, it's never. Like, that's so stupid. New head coach, new offensive system, new rookie quarterback. It's, I think, a slow start was expected. It's the same thing up in Philadelphia, which yep. is who we're going to talk about now. Matt, the floor is yours. Is there a question? Like what, what, what the hell is going on up in Philadelphia? I mean, Are you what, worried? And no. my next question would be, um, what did you think about um, his post-game comment? So you're talking about the turd quote? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, so that's actually a Kobe Bryant quote. I think I saw, I saw that reference. It was like back in 2011 or 2007, something like that. Kobe Bryant spoke to the team. And he used that quote there. So Jalen just found that or he was a fan or something. I don't know. He, he just basically reused that. It wasn't his quote, but I, I don't know. He, he's got, he's got some pretty, some pretty funny sayings. Um, as far as the game goes, I think there's a major overreaction going on. You know, I don't think this is going to happen, but for this hypothetical, you know, the Eagles lost in, you know, got, got handled by the Cowboys last night. Right. Let's say in this hypothetical world, the Eagles go out and beat the Chiefs this weekend. Like the the jump from oh my god 
he he's not it. He can't do it. This Sirianni's kind of got to go to got to go. Two, they just beat the Chiefs. We were wrong. We were wrong. He's fine. He's great. He's amazing. I it's just this this overreaction one way or another. It's just it's just really bad. I thought Jalen played relatively well last night. He played better than what people want to lead on. Uh, he did obviously make some mistakes. I think that that first interception that's fixable to be like, hey, Jalen, you got you to gotta put some more on that ball. Lead your guy. That's just practice. It's timing. I mean, he didn't get the offseason last year. It's Rager wasn't around. So it's just we know how the quarterback wide receiver timing works. She just it's just it's repetitions. That's all that is. Uh, he made a lot of great plays that O-line gave him no help. It's looking like last year. Uh, they were down two offensive line starters last night and lost the third uh, to a Liz Frank injury for the year. Uh, it was a huge coaching blunder. Sirianni called two, was it three designed run plays? That's that's an issue. And and the two plays that Miles Sanders had or something like that, he gained like 24 yards on each of them. Like the Cowboys were missing six defensive linemen, a starting linebacker and a starting safety last night. It was just a really bad game plan to walk in there and not wanting just to run the ball over and over and over again. But this overreaction that Hurts doesn't have it, it – it's just so annoying because it's just not true. Well, the problem is we live in a week-to-week league, so whatever you see that week next week is all that player is. I mean, like, that's the interesting thing about Dynasty is, like, oh, players' values don't change, you know, you're like week-to-week, but like that. Oh, they absolutely do. So you always have to be moving. But, um, so, I mean, like, I'm not too worried about it. Like, ju- I just think last night was an example of Nick Sirianni trying to show the world how smart he was with all of his creative past concepts. And he forgot how to coach football at the basic level. And I, there was no point in that game where I thought the Cowboys were in trouble. There was never a one point from the opening kickoff when they marched right down the field and scored a touchdown. I never thought the Cowboys were in jeopardy of losing that game because of how poorly everything on Philadelphia was executed. And I tweeted it out live. Greg Ward came in on a third down and he's looking at Jalen hands up. Hey, what the hell am I running? Jalen. I don't know if Jalen didn't see him or whatnot, but Jalen snaps the ball and Greg Ward stands there for a second and goes, well, shit, I'll go run a flat route. And he runs to the flat and Jalen sat Jalen gets sacked on it, and it's it's the fourth down. They turn the ball over, and it's like that was what the game was last night. It was an embarrassment to watch if you're an Eagles fan. Nobody was prepared. Every play there was a penalty. If they had a you know, like like I said, like any positive play was called back. Like Quez Watkins makes a 30-yard grab downfield, makes a hell of a catch, called back. I mean, they just kept shooting themselves in the foot, and then they didn't get the ball in their best player's hand, and that's Miles Sanders. I just unexcusable to me in every asset uh Jalen Hurts you want to be a leader at some point you got to make audibles at the line and tell Nick Sirianni to go himself if you got a problem with what he's calling because Jalen Jalen Hurts isn't stupid I mean I can assure you Jalen Hurts could make a few audibles if you wanted to so he's got to take command of that huddle and but when Nick Sirianni's you know you're lining up and you're getting ready to drop back and you see that you know, they're running a cover two shell and they're, you know, they're a nickel and you got five room, five yards of leverage and stuff. You're going to run the football. Why is he not audible? Like, why is Nick Gianni controlling all these things? Like, so, and then, okay. And then this, this is going to be my last little rant thing. And I listened really fantasy, but why was Miles Sanders checking with the center for the protection instead of Jalen Hurts? Like, does, is, 
why is the quarterback not making the adjustments and stuff for the, the play calls and stuff? So just, I didn't like anything I saw last night in Philadelphia. Um, they have got to get Miles Sanders more involved. Um, they've got to use Jalen Hurts at his skill sets. They did not even attempt to really get the read option going last night. Um, there were a few times where it's like when they did a play action, I'm like, man, if you would have tucked that ball, you know, or, oh man, if that was, when he handed the ball off here. Like they've got to get Miles Sanders more involved in, um, kind of get that play action going because if if they do what we saw again in the coming weeks, either Deshaun Watson will be coming to Philadelphia or they're going to get the number one overall pick because that was brutal. And that's not all Jalen Hurts. That starts with Nick Sirianni and everybody down. So you have like got to throw that game away and pray to God you don't see it again. But you're going to take note. This is the one's a dot, two's a trend thing. So you're going to take note of that game. But if you see it again – you're worried, but if you don't see it again, oh, okay, it was just one game. Like week one, Green Bay. People have bad games. It happens. I, I, I first off, Watson's not coming to Philadelphia. He, he publicly said he's not going to. He's not going to waive his no trade clause. So I don't think that's happening. If they were to trade for a quarterback, it might be Russell Wilson if the Seahawks season continues to go that it's the way that it's looking. So I feel I like I can't he, imagine he would be the Russell Wilson wanting to go to Philadelphia though. I, I can't either, but I, I looking at the 2022 class, Jalen Hurts is better than any prospect coming out this year, including Spencer Rattler. I think you could have made the argument like two months ago that Spencer Rattler is the 101, but he hadn't looked like anything through the first few weeks of college football. So I think if you're the Eagles, you can't look at this 2022 prospect class and be like, there's some, there's not a guy here that's infinitely better than Jalen that has a much higher ceiling. We might as well roll with Jalen for another year and give him more tools to work with. And then at that point, if we still suck, we'll have a, 23 early first which was a very good qb class so i just i i don't see a world where he's not the guy in 2022 unless this is unless this is a catastrophic beginning of something that's absolutely terrible well we know it's this it's the same shit with lamar jackson you can't lamar you can't design an offense around lamar and have him stand back there and throw the ball 45 times a game he's not gonna look good It's, it's not his strength it's not what he's suited to do you have to roll them out, get the run game going, you know, let get the defense to back off some, take your deep shots. It's the same thing with Jalen. Jalen's a good passer. He's a fine passer for the NFL, and he might even be great one day. But that's not his skill set right now, and that's why he looks so bad because they're basically asking him to do things that he's that he's not comfortable doing. And that's what Sirianni's whole MO this offseason was like, I designed, you know, uh, playbooks and and plays around players and play to their strengths. I want to do what they want to do. And I'm like, well, you only handed the ball off to Miles Sanders twice last night. Pretty sure Jalen didn't come to you last night. Was like, hey, can I throw the ball 60 times tomorrow against <laughs> what's turning out to what looks like is actually a really good Cowboys defense. So yeah, Dan Quinn can coach. So I un, under the circumstances, especially for only his seventh career start. I thought he looked relatively good. You have to look at him in the light of, uh, of a rookie quarterback. It's only seven starts. So for his seventh start as a quote-unquote rookie, I, I thought it was okay. Lots to improve on, sure. But there's a lot of good stuff that you can take away from that film and be like, there's, there's, some, there's definitely something here. We just, we just need to work at it. I think that's what people forget a lot is that he's only on his seventh start. They also lost their – uh, starting left guard last night, which isn't going to help. But what do you got, Sam? It was coming in the season. I had them winning four games. And what you saw last night, I've been around it. That was an 0-17 football team last night. Everything. That was horrible. Um, 
So I just, you have to be worried. And I would say like, oh, like, you know, you're looking like if Jalen doesn't work out this year, you know, they do, you know, they end up with the top five pick or whatever. Like I was going to say like, oh, look out for Green Bay, but it's like, really? I mean, like, I just can't imagine Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to such a dysfunctional organization. So it's like, I kind of feel like if it's not Jalen Hurts, this 2022 class might not be very good. So it's like, they might roll with him again if they can't find a trade partner. I just, you have got to build around your players. I mean, like Matt Nagy should have been fired at halftime Sunday. Um, what he was doing to Justin Fields and what he did to Mitchell Trubisky in all those years. And what we saw with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni was the same thing Matt Nagy did to Mitchell Trubisky. Hey, you're a circle. I'm going to put you through the square peg and you're going to fit. You've got to use your guys to the best of their abilities. And I'm genuinely concerned until I see it. I want to, I want to highlight one throw in particular last night. And I, I definitely encourage and implore people to go back and watch this tape. There was one play where Hurt scrambled out to his left, stopped, and it was like a 25-yard absolute laser in between two defenders to Quez Watkins. Unfortunately, it didn't count. It was called back for holding. Sam alluded to that. But that's two now in, in over the first three weeks. Elite level, like top two quarterback all-time kind of throws. He made that one to Dallas Goddard in the end zone against Atlanta, and then this, and then this one. Uh, to Quez Watkins against Dallas. I mean, he is absolutely capable to deliver uh, an, an offense and a scheme designed by a quarterback. But like Sam said, I mean, Sirianni's got to fix this out. You have to help him. You have to run the ball. Can we, um, we'll, we'll leave the Eagles on that note, but there's, we're kind of running low on time, but there's one more thing I want to talk about with you guys before we head out. Uh, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger looks so bad. And I know we've talked a lot about these wide receivers because we all are high on Deontay and, and Claypool, especially. I just want, I like re-ranking these guys, like players after we've seen, I know it's a small sample size, but just what you've seen out of this offense, how do you feel about, obviously Ben's holding Claypool back. Ben, I think is like 27th, 28th and a dot. Um, which is not good for Claypool. It can support Deontay because he's he sees a lot of short targets, but uh, it really hurts Claypool. So how do you guys feel about these wide receivers? Yeah, personally, they haven't changed for me. Um, Deontay is the one, Claypool's the two, Juju's the three. Um, I knew watching Sunday in the very first drive, the Steelers were in trouble because Deontay wasn't on the field. Um, Deontay is the oil for that engine. And that's fine, but you have a brand new shiny Ferrari in the backfield. You need to start using. But the problem is you went and bought a Ferrari when your house didn't have a roof. So now you can't run the ball. Um, I don't – Ben Roethlisberger does look bad. I don't know if he's as bad as what it looks. I think part of it is, you know, the line, and he's not trusting his line, and he's, he's panicking and bailing immediately. And then, you know, because like that line, I mean, like you, there was a play I watched where the guy literally stood and watched the, the defensive end run right past him. Um, I, you got to be worried. Um, I just, I don't know how much of it is, you know, Ben compared to the line. I think it's probably a lot Ben, but the line's pretty bad too. Um, 
you know, for fantasy, I mean, Deontay is the guy. Um, he's a target machine. Um, he's great after the catch, just always gets nicked. And I'm still really annoyed about last week when they did whatever the hell that was. I got him so hurt. Stupid. Yeah, like I just – I don't understand like the point of putting your players at risk like that. If you're down six or seven and you need like the ultimate, yeah, I get screen, that. They were down, they like, were down fourteen. Down, what, 30, yeah, fourteen. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing, Mike yeah. Tomlin? Like Deontay Johnson, and, and the thing is, is Deontay Johnson is like so good at you know running routes and the ball in his hands after the catch. Like somebody tweeted out, and I don't remember where it was, um, and I don't remember who it said, but it was like the Steelers will be out without their worst wide receiver on Sunday. So I'm excited to see what they can finally look like. And like, I don't know who said it, but I laughed. So I'm like, bro, like whoever said that, like doesn't know football. Um, Juju, what the hell? I, he used to have jets and wiggle. And now he is the slowest person on the field. He looks like a tight end. Like whatever happened to Juju? Like I know people want to come on Twitter. Oh, he's, you know, Ben's arm is holding him back. No, Juju is, looks like Juju looks like he's 30. So. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, if you're playing fantasy, it's Deontay, Claypool, and Juju for me. I, 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 as long as Big Ben is the quarterback, I think Deontay is the clear target getter here. Although I think obviously Claypool possesses a tremendous amount of more upside. If this offensive like scheme, the way this is looking right now, I think goes for another two weeks at most, I think they're going to bench Big Ben for the year. I would not be shocked if he retires midseason and they just roll with Rudolph and Haskins. I mean, they were going to draft Haskins two, three years ago, whenever it was, had Washington not taken him. So they were already in on Haskins and now they got him for free instead of spending a first on him. So I, I feel like it's just one of those situations. You, got, you have to roll him out there for three or four games just to see what you have, uh, to see if he's gotten any better than what last time we saw him. And we kind of know what Rudolph is. So if you plan on competing, maybe he's the guy that, that you roll with right now. Maybe they make a, a trade for a guy like Drew Locke or something like that. But I cannot, at this rate right now, I cannot see Big, Big Ben lasting much longer especially if they continue to lose the way they are because the offense just looks so bad i mean he's tripping over himself at this point and i will say whoever the new quarterback is that comes in if there is one will probably favor claypool more than they will deontay because young young quarterbacks and quarterbacks in general like to have a big body possession downfield guy that you can just throw it to and you really don't have to worry about it ever being legitimate interception because it'll either be incomplete or your guy comes down with some incredible catch. So I'm just not sure that a new quarterback is going to treat Deontay and pepper him with targets like big Ben is, but for now it, like Sam said, those are the only two guys you really want. And then Najee, of course, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Najee uh, nine, was it 19 targets? Anytime you have a running back targeted 19 times, it's not like a specialty wide receiving back. That was because Deontay and Juju were out, you know, that's just the result of it. And I think um, we're seeing Pat Fryermuth pass Eric Ebron. Not that Fryermuth is viable on a weekly basis, but I think he's somebody who could uh, really like what to, I'm seeing well, from him. I think he'll help the interior, like the like the passing game a little bit. Like, and I want to like I know Matt says like they whoever the quarterback is probably won't pepper Deontay as much, uh, but Deontay is like the way they use him is like he's the clear first read. Um, and they also use him as like an extension in the part of the run game, like similar to how Green Bay does with the two slant downs. And the, it's not necessarily like a flare route with Devontae, but it's like a reverse flare on the inside. Um, and they use that like an extension of the run game. Um, to, actually, ironically enough, the only reason I know that is because 
Aaron Rodgers told us about today on the Pat McAfee show is they designed that on like their little two minute Saturday periods. And then um, now everybody, every team in the league runs that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't disagree with you, but I wonder how much of Deontay being the first read is a product of big Ben just because he's not able to get the ball downfield consistently. So I wonder if that changes somebody who can then make certain throws or at least attempt maybe, certain but, throws. Maybe, but not dramatically, but just, really, to, just enough. But I, maybe, but here's my question is if you're switching those players, do you really want Deontay being your deep shot guy and Claypool being your underneath guy? No, I'm not saying switch the players. I'm just saying instead of making Deontay the first read all the time, your first read might be Claypool on a post. Like just just something different. Just look his way first more often. That's all. I think the part of the problem is, and I think part of the issue maybe Ben has and some other quarterback has is Deontay is so good at creating separation that by the time you look at him, he's open. So you just throw it to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the dude, like it is unbelievable how open he gets immediately off the line of scrimmage. And then like he always makes the first guy miss. Then he gets tackled. And then he's slow to get up and you're like, Oh fuck, there it is. There he goes. That's the one. And then, you know, half time he gets up, half time he stays down and you clench, hold your breath. He goes to the tent and comes back out. I mean, that's what he is, but I, I love to be self on the watch. It's just, I don't know. And the offensive and the offensive line isn't any good. And, and the problem so, is, and I, I think big Ben's immobility hurts them as well. If they had someone back there, I don't want to bring up Jalen again, but just someone in general that could just move at least a little bit more. I, I think I think Even that would like help. a Drew Lock. Yeah, just somebody that can get out if you have to. Um, the other part of the problem is the Steelers is their defense hasn't been as good. So yeah, they yeah. TJ Watt's been out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel like people thought this was like a contend, like a serious like contender in the AFC, and they look anything but that. Um, I'm gonna Mike, Mike, Mike is still learning a new offense, though. So Mike Tomlin is still going to find a way to win eight games, though. Yeah, I'm not I'm not bailing on the Steelers. Like, I don't – I think Deontay will still finish the year close to wide receiver one um, in points per game. Um, I just – I'm not – like, I'm not saying, like, you start Najee Harris, you're starting Deontay, you're typically flexing Claypool – and if you're starting Juju or Freermuth or Claypool, you're praying to God you get touchdowns. Yep, I agree with that. Um, any other week three takeaways you guys want to mention real quick before we get out of here? Anything stood out um, to you? You just can't can't go without uh, throwing out there. Let me. I mean, Mike Williams, incredible. Oh, like I do actually. Yeah, um, Saquon Barkley. Um, he look he looks good. Um, he's looked better every week. He's looked more confident. Um, they used him heavily in the, the past game last week. He had seven targets last week. He had six receptions, 43 yards. Um, then he found the end zone. Obviously he's back to a true workhorse form. He had 24 touches Sunday. Um, he is touching the ball a lot. Um, last so for week one, 13 touches week two, 16 touches week three, 24 touches. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me that he's back and they're using him as a workhorse and you should be very excited to be able to start Saquon Barkley every week. Yeah. Along those same lines, Odell Beckham returned to the field and I thought he looked really good. He looked really fluid and comfortable out there in the offense, saw nine targets. Um, not, you know, he's, he's not going to be the, the Odell of old, but I, I was also pretty think, encouraged. I also think for three weeks, 
Justin Herbert has looked like, if not Matt Stafford being the best quarterback, Justin Herbert has. And I know, like, oh, he like he's only had like one 30 point fantasy game. He's had four touchdowns called back already this year. Like, um, it's just stupid shit. Um, he's looked unbelievable. And even last week when he dropped 38 points, he still had a touchdown called back. Um, so I just Justin Herbert looks like he has taken that next step. And I don't know how you don't start him every week. I mean, like he's right now the QB 12 and that's with having four touchdowns called back. So I I mean, you gotta be excited about that. Yeah. I mentioned that in my weekly recap, just that he looked really good. He hasn't quite put it all together yet, but when Herbert, like in terms of the yards and the touchdowns and, you know, not getting, I think the most obvious benefactor of that is Mike Williams. I mean, Mike Williams has been on, believable through three weeks um he i believe he is let me pull it up right now he is currently the wide receiver two in ppr 22.2 22.1 and 33.2 and he's getting volume 12 targets 10 targets nine targets eight receptions seven receptions seven receptions he's finally being used in the role that like he was drafted for and i don't see any reason for this to slow down especially if you know Justin has taken that next step and the best part is it's not really affecting Keenan Allen who's you know currently the wide receiver 12. Yeah I mean his a dot is finally um, a respectable level like it's come down. I think the best thing that this offense is doing is last year they got too dependent on Austin Eckler in the passing game this year they're they're still throwing to him but they're not like every down just chucking it down to him because that's when they got so inefficient last year so I like what I see out of everybody in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, it's going to be a fun offense. Uh, but with that, that'll do it for week three here. Uh, remember to head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, subscribe to our content, get all of the weekly goodness, uh, daily goodness, I should say, of weekly reviews, waiver wire articles, um, you know, all that good stuff, Thursday night previews, all that stuff. And we'll be back here next uh, next week, week four, on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm.